introduce, I'm Paul Manning. I'm actually the Church Relationship Manager for Victoria and Tasmania for Baptist World Aid Australia. Uh, but in my spare time, I'm also on um, the um, advisory group for the BUV, uh, and I also do moderating for uh, um, churches who are searching for pastors. And it's been my privilege over the last year or so to be working with your pastoral search um, group uh, in um, discerning the next senior pastor for North Church. Um, and it's my delight to be able to be here today uh, to induct uh, Lee uh, as your senior pastor uh, and to, um, to uh, sort of wrap up that part of my journey with North Church. Uh, so why don't you come out, Lee, and, um, and we'll do the formal induction now. It's February 6th, which means um, you actually started on the 1st, so you've had six days. How's yeah. it going? Yeah, no, it's been good so far. Hmm? <laughs> this is your last chance, are you right? Or we'll keep going? Hmm? I'll, I'll keep going, yes. The Queen's got to make... Um, Oh, she actually has. Is it 11 o'clock yet? The Queen has actually reigned for 70 years now. So um, I think you've missed the boat on that, to be senior pastor for 70 years. Just for your age, that's all. I'm hoping to get a message from her, though. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing that. My wife has actually met her. I'm not exactly Wonderful. I've waved to her, too, as, she, um, <laughs> um, as she's driven past our office building in Sydney one time. Anyway, we'll get back onto the thing of induction. Hmm? Um, Lee Kohler, recognising the gifts you have to offer, North Church has called you to pastoral ministry and leadership as senior pastor. With the support of us all who share your call, will you welcome your responsibilities to proclaim the word of God, to pastorally care for this church family, to equip, encourage and enable them to carry out Jesus Christ's mission in the local community and in the world? Will you serve those with whom you journey with intelligence and imagination, sensitivity and love, sharing, discovering and working and learning together, relying on God's grace in all that you do? I will. Now this is a question to you, uh, the North Church Congregation. Do you, as the North Church family, receive Lee Kohler as your senior pastor? Will you join Lee encouraging and praying for him and playing your part alongside him as you carry out your ministries in the work of the kingdom of God here at North Church? Will you support Lee and his family and care for them as they are part of the North Church family? And you can all respond, we will. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and in the name of his, of his church, we declare you, Lee Kohler, to be inducted as senior pastor of North Church, commending you to God and God's grace, mercy and peace. May God, our Heavenly Father, who called you to this ministry, inspire you by his spirit, strengthen you by his hand, and so direct you as you may serve as senior pastor of North Church faithfully and fruitfully, to the praise of his holy name and increase of the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
going to invite Chris back now. He's going to pray. And I'd like um, the leaders of um, North Church to come lay hands, um, family to come lay hands on, um, on um, Lee. We might move this back a little bit. You might move into the um, centre lane. Um, um, representatives of the BUV, uh, that's me today. Uh, and anyone else who'd like to uh, be part of this, uh, this moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your servant, Lee. We thank you for his love for you, his obedience to your calling. And we honour you in the anointing that you have placed upon him to pastor North Church. We pray all spiritual blessings upon you. We ask that we would be through you, Lord God, an encouragement to Lee. That when he needs support, we're there. When his family needs support, we're there. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to guide, lead, and counsel Lee. Praise be to you, our God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, I'd like to hand over to Lee. He'd like um, uh, um, time to reply. Uh, so um, here you go. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, leadership team. Because inductions have a spiritual uh, side to them, they're actually more important than really just a little ceremony. It's a little bit like someone who says, oh, I don't really believe in uh, marriage, it's just a piece of paper. Well, actually, no, if you bring God into the picture and you're making a, a covenant with one another as a husband and wife, no, it's a much more powerful thing than that. And inductions have a role a little bit like that. There is a, it's kind of a spiritual signature of God's uh, calling and anointing and purpose over that moment. One of the things I often do, though, to induction services is I talk a little bit about discovering a relationship with God and, as a result of that, feeling called into his service. And so let me share a little bit of uh, my journey, my story. Now, my background isn't one of uh, religion uh, or Christianity. My parents didn't do church, and, I mean, they really didn't do church. They didn't go at Christmas and Easter either. Um, they certainly never sent me to Sunday school or anything of that nature. And it wasn't because they were anti-Christian. They just didn't see the relevance of it to their lives. And as a, a little kid, I can remember my mate, Darrell Lodges went to Sunday school, Sunday morning. And I thought that was the weirdest thing. I mean, five days a week of school is surely enough. <laughs> to jump to the age of 19, I can remember at that age... Uh, one night at a party, a girl talking with me about spirituality. I rarely ever had a spiritual conversation, you know. And for about an hour, we were discussing the concept that God was real. She believed God was real. Um, and uh, I didn't. And so there I am as a 19-year-old, 
um, strongly debating, not in a heated way, but strongly debating that God did not exist, because that's where I sat. I guess if you wanted to put a, a, a terminology on where I was, I was an agnostic. Didn't believe in God because I'd had no experience of God. Um, as far as kind of where I was at around that age, uh, I had a regular job, but my passion was trying to make it in the music industry. I'd been in three different bands, and uh, the third one I was in around the age of uh, 20, 21, 22, was one where we were pretty serious by this time. So it was a four-piece band, and I guess our genre, our style would have been that of um, Bon Jovi, Van Halen, Def Leppard, that sort of commercial heavy metal sort of sound. And uh, so we'd be classified as a heavy metal band or perhaps a, a heavy alternative rock band. And we were pretty serious. You know, we had our downtown practice studio, which we had permanently with all of our stuff set up there. We are playing out regularly gigs, pubs and clubs, etc. Uh, we're getting radio interviews. We're recording in a studio. And we were serious. That's what we wanted to do. That was our ambition, to make it in the music industry. And we were more than, uh, you know, we didn't just want to be good musicians and singers, we wanted to put on a real show. We wanted to be remembered. So we used to really, all four of us actually, were real, would really get into it on the stage and put on a performance that people would remember and have a, you know, hopefully have a really entertaining evening. And uh, alongside of all of that too, I mean, we had our image. So we didn't just wear the standard clothes. Our, our image was, um, we had a lot of leathers, but they weren't the glam leathers. We'd rip them and splash spray paint on them. And so we, I guess we we're moving into a grunge image before it's time. And so, yeah, that's a little bit of who we were. And so that was kind of my passion. But perhaps to bring it to life a little bit, why don't I grab one of my guitars and play something of what I would have played at that time? You got the idea. <laughs> ah, I can't play as fast as I used to be able to, but I can still play. Um, to give you an idea of that, actually, I was um, so into it. Uh, yeah, we would, um, I, despite having a regular job, I probably played, including band practice and gigs, I played the guitar an average of three to four hours every day 
So I got insanely good at it. Um, and I haven't forgotten how to play. I just can't play as fast or as clever as I used to be able to. But uh, you've got the idea. I remember distinctly one night, and why I include this as part of the story, is we'd been up on a big stage. We'd played the best club in the whole district. It was the club that was known for the big bands, huge sound system, big light show. We're so pleased to get the gig. Great night. People really got into it. Um, the organisation made plenty of money, which we knew that's really what it's all about. We didn't make much. <laughs> um, but as I came down off stage, I knew that I should have been feeling like, well, another step towards living the dream. But that's not what I felt. I felt a little bit empty. I felt like there was something missing. And I remember that night thinking, is there more to the bricks and mortar technology and music of my world? Am I missing something? Nicky Gumbel's course, of course, says, is there more to life than this? That wasn't the phrase, but that was the concept. And I went out under the stars that night outside the club, probably three in the morning, looked up at the sky and I said something like this. God, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you are real, would you reveal yourself to me? Help me know that you're real. I probably prayed that prayer about three times around that period of my life, and God started to step in. No doubt about it. Circumstantial things just started to happen. One of them was... I flicked on, I, I used to start work pretty early, about 7 o'clock in the morning, so I would hit the sack during the week, unless I had something on, about 10.30. And I kept flicking on the radio. These are main, two mainstream stations I used to listen to. These are not Christian stations. This show called Insight for Living was on. Chuck Swindle was the preacher. And I've just found myself listening. It's amazing. It was on a secular radio station. But um, as I listened to this guy, I thought, oh, actually, he's, what he says makes a lot of sense. And he keeps quoting from this book, the Bible. And I thought, look, I'm, I remember year seven at high school, Gideons came to visit and they put on some sort of show thing and they gave out all these little red Bibles. And I still had one. Never read it, but I had it. Dug around in some boxes in my apartment and I found the thing. Started to read it. And to be honest, it didn't make much sense to me. But occasionally something would leap off a page. And I thought, hmm, oh, is that a message for me? I remember um, some of you will have had the experience where you're sitting somewhere in a room, didn't hear anything, didn't see anything, but you th think someone's there and you look up and sure enough, someone's walked in. You didn't hear, you didn't see, but you sensed it. I started to sense the presence of God. Knew very little about God, but there was, I would be reading the Bible or praying, it sensed God's presence as if he was there. Well, this preacher guy, Chuck Swindle, gave a little message on... Um, Fellowship. He said it's important for Christians to fellowship, to hang out with other Christians. Never heard the word fellowship before, actually, I don't think. And, and I listened to that message, and that's how I remember praying. And uh, I, I prayed like this in my apartment, because this is how I thought you did it. You know, um, I don't know where I got the idea from, but this is my idea. When you prayed, you did this. <laughs> Seriously, the, um, I don't know. That's... Uh, I don't know where I got that idea from, but that's what I did. <laughs> and I prayed these words, God, I've just heard a message about 
fellowship, spending time with Christians. A couple of family members are Christians, I think, but you know, I don't have I don't have any friends that are Christians as far as I know. God, could you help me meet a Christian? Prayed that prayer twice. Second time I prayed it. Phone rings as I'm praying. It was for a position I hadn't applied for. Went to the interview, got the position. There's a guy there, Mark Williams. Active evangelist, surfy guy, long hair, big beard, and just kept talking with me about spiritual things. We must have had 30 or 40 conversations, which often ended with, you know, I can't answer these questions as well as my pastor could. Why don't you go along to our young adult Bible study group? The pastor leads it. Well, after many invitations, after about four months worth of invitations, eventually I got there, turned up, and I walked into this room. Never been to a Bible study before. There was about 15 uh, uh, older teenagers, 18, 19, through to people in their 20s. And uh, they were sitting in a big circle, passed out a guitar, sings a few songs, prays to God, then they pray for a while, and they start to teach the Bible more teaching, and then went into discussion. I had a heap of questions, and the pastor could see that. So he said, why don't you meet with me, my office, this week? And uh, so um, we made a time, and I had about 30 questions thereabouts that I wanted to ask. And so I'd keep asking questions, and he just he had this big black Bible, leather-bound, very posh, I thought, and he'd hand it to me and say, well, read those couple of verses. Then I'd ask another question. He'd hand it to me and say, read those verses. And I did that for about an hour. At the end of it, I thought, my goodness, this book's got the answer to everything if you just know where to look for it. Well, I came to understand Jesus' work on the cross and what that meant, that a supernatural event took place. Not easy to understand, and yet somehow Jesus took the shortcomings, the sins, the failings of humanity, and by placing my faith in him, all of my inadequacies could be washed away and I could engage in a relationship with God. And that indeed is what I did. But in the process of that, I remember the pastor saying to me one day, this is just a few weeks into this journey since I've been meeting with him, very early on, he just said something like, Lee, I can see you've got faith in Jesus. He asked the question, but are you following Jesus? And he just left it there. Well, the Holy Spirit acted on that straight away. I felt the Holy Spirit touch me on the shoulder, so to speak, over the next few days, several times, saying something like this. You need to leave the music industry. You need to stop pursuing this dream. That's not my purpose for you. And this was my honest answer. Well, I don't think I can. I've been pursuing this dream for a few years. I'm not giving this up. But there was a persistence. A sense the Lord kept saying it. It wasn't, didn't come from the pastor. Quite the opposite. He was saying you can lead all your bandmates to Christ and all their friends. <laughs> so he was very much looking at what an opportunity. But I sensed the Holy Spirit kept saying that to me. And over the next month, it was about one month from when I first sensed the Holy Spirit say that something happened. A metamorphosis took place. By the end of that month, I can remember saying these things to myself. My goodness, I'm enjoying Bible study more than I am band practice. And I love band practice. And I realised I'm enjoying going to church, 
listening to the preached word of God and singing his praises, better than I am getting up on a stage under the lights, doing our band thing. And I realised I was enjoying getting alone with God, which I often did, and I'd often go to a forest and just walk and pray, kind of in solitude. I was enjoying that more than I was getting alone with the guitar and playing. I loved playing the guitar, learning new licks and... You've already heard how many hours I used to spend doing it. Didn't have to discipline myself. I just loved it. <laughs> but there was a change. And I realised from the word of God what was happening. John 3.3, 3, remember Jesus talking with Nicodemus, a religious leader, and he said to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And that's what had happened. Transformation had taken place. And I know many people pray a prayer, you're inviting Jesus into their life, and there's little change. This is not that. This is not just saying, oh, yeah, I agree, I think God is real. Or, yeah, I agree, I think Jesus is the Son of God. That's an important step. But that doesn't mean you're born again. It's that transforming work of God's Spirit that Jesus goes on to explain in that passage. Until that's happened, Christianity seems to be something you can take or leave. But when you're born again by the Spirit of God, genuinely, very, very different thing. Well, it was transforming enough for me that I thought, well, goodness me, the world's been duped, you know? I mean, I thought this religion thing was just take it or leave it. Well, you know, if someone's into it, that's fine. Certainly not my thing. You know, what does it matter? To each his own. But I tell you what, when you discover that it's real, it's not to each his own. It's what... It's the most important thing in life. And so that's since then, that's what I've wanted to devote my life to. Within a few months, I felt a calling to quit my regular work and prepare for his service in the ministry. Well, why does the band come back and uh, we're going to sing another praise song and then Brett's going to share the word of God with us. If you've just been listening to this today and include those who are online as well, and you're thinking to yourself, well, Lee, I sit more where you did back the club with the band. I don't know if God's real or not. You might have a Christian background, Christian heritage, but that's where you sit. I'm not sure if he's real or not. Well, let me encourage you to do exactly what I did. Get alone, quietly, perhaps one night, late at night like I did. Place by yourself and simply pray that prayer. God, I don't know if you're real or not, but if you are real, would you reveal yourself to me? Help me know that you're real. Get alone and pray that a few times, and I can guarantee if your heart's sincere, he will reveal himself to you. Such a joy to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, Michelle sends her apologies. She heard it back yesterday, and so it's just resting up a bit today. Otherwise, she'd be here. Lee, I've known you close on 18, going on 19 years now. Uh, and I, I discovered some new things about you today. <laughs> but Pamela, I really want to see photos of him when he's in his 20s. <laughs> they, they grudge outfit and stuff like that. He had a mullet, yeah, for sure. Uh, I've got no such hidden talents, I'm afraid, so I'm not going to get on the guitar or anything today. But it is a real joy being here today, and thank you for the invitation. There were numerous options for me as I started to think about what I could share. Uh, I was thinking of King David about being chosen 
And I really think, you know, in many ways, yes, he's the chosen uh, person and the family, uh, and it's a great match for North Church. I thought about Philippians chapter 2 for all of us, that your attitude, his attitude, all of our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And I thought, oh, maybe I could go down that line. And then I thought maybe just harking back to the, the past, thinking about the vision of North Church and how you're going to build on that and take that further. Uh, but the Lord led me somewhere different again. And and after your little uh, show there today, I'm going, I'm second-guessing myself a bit, but I, I want to talk to the inner Lee and the inner North Church. So not maybe just what we see on the outside, but at the heart uh, of who we are and who you are today. Uh, so, yep, that person up there is Claire Booth Lucy. She's an American playwright and diplomat. And she said... Uh, reflective almost of the times in which we live now, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. And in some ways, I'm, I'm targeting my message around post-COVID, coming out, uh, going back to some sort of sense of normality. But let me tell you, I don't think we'll ever go back to what was. The future's very different. And so Claire here, uh, like many people in 1929, back 100 years ago, she was facing tough times. She'd just been divorced from a cruel alcoholic. She was a single mother. It was the beginning of the Depression. And this 26-year-old New Yorker decided that she needed something that she could really sink her teeth into, and that was a job. But a lot of women didn't even work back then. That wasn't the norm. Um, and she had little experience, but she refused to let all those hurdles and hindrances get in her way. Instead, uh, she just wanted to work and she approached the publisher uh, of a New York company with a directness and a, um, a sense of confidence that must have been disarming for him. And she just wanted a job at this magazine. He gave her the brush off. He said, no, my dear girl, like many that have come, uh, you just won't stick it out. Uh, you won't have the capacity for work. But she zeroed in on her goal, and three weeks later, she showed up to the Vogue offices, told the publisher had left for Europe, uh, but she resolved to take matters in her own hands. So she looked out in the office, saw three empty desks, and just said to the person that was sort of semi-in charge there, well, I'll just take one of those desks and I'll just start working. And a few weeks later on, when the publisher came back, she'd got the job. She just turned up. Not at one like Frank Constanza, <laughs> it's sort of Seinfeld. But by the time the publisher returned, she was already on the payroll, proving herself. By 1933, she'd become managing editor of Vanity Fair magazine. Four years later, she was foreign correspondent for Life magazine in Europe and in China during the early part of World War II in 1940. She became the first congresswoman for her home state of Connecticut in 1943. And in 1953, she became ambassador to Italy under President Dwight Eisenhower. In 1983, President Ronald Reagan awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom for her service in the US. What a remarkable lady. It's written that when times got tough for her, she turned to God. In 1944, after her 19-year-old daughter was killed in a car accident, she became a devout follower of Jesus, not just somebody with faith in Jesus, but a follower, and took time each day for prayer and reflection to help her maintain that positive attitude. I'm not sure she prayed like Lee did, <laughs> hands down, head down. Who knows what her posture was? 
But today I want to talk to you, I want to talk to Lee just a little bit about courage moving forward in the days in which we live. It's been said that courage is the ladder on which all the other virtues climb. And the Bible has a lot to say about courage. It has a lot to say about the disciples who were under the fire uh, of that early church as it formed and how they demonstrated courage. It is recorded for us stories of men and women who, despite the situations they faced, they stood their ground, they blew the trumpet of advance, or they challenged the status quo of the day, even though their lives may well have been in jeopardy as a result of that. Esther is just one example. For such a time as this, she lived in that era. And coming out of our, collo- uh, our collective COVID uh, exile, leaders are going to need to demonstrate courage. Churches are going to need to demonstrate courage. People are going to need that. Proverbs 28.1 says, The righteous are as bold or as courageous as lions. Psalm 38.3 says, and this is David writing, one of the bravest kings of all time, he said, When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. When I called. Acts 4.13 says, The people were amazed when they saw the courage of Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. So the Bible is littered with all these examples. On November 6, 1930, President Hoover awarded the coveted Medal of Honour to Captain Eddie Rickenbacker for his conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty, single-handedly attacking seven enemy aeroplanes. But Eddie says, courage is doing what you're afraid to do. There can, no be, there can be no courage unless you are scared. And so, you know, seeing Lee up there today, you're going... He's bold. He's, he's full of courage. But I want to talk to the inner person. And again, knowing Lee 18 years ago, you know, he had his questions and his doubts. He's going, am I up for this? And, you know, am I the right person for this next stage for, for North Church? You know, th- there were some insecurities. We don't show those easily, but we need courage. I remember well my son Jared's 21st birthday. Uh, when he celebrated his 21st birthday, he didn't want a big party. He didn't want one for his 18th either. But we went as a family up to Port Douglas. So I'm going, I scored for Jared's 21st birthday really well for a holiday. But Michelle lined up this flight in one of these aerojet things or whatever they're called. I don't know what they're called. Uh, paragliders or whatever with an engine on the back. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to kill my son on his 21st birthday. These aren't very reliable, are they? But our next photo just shows uh, taking off. Now, he wasn't by himself. He had a pilot in there. So the pilot gave him the flight up there over Port Douglas. Show the next photo. The views were just amazing. And he, he was up there for 20 minutes, half an hour, uh, flying over Port Douglas. He, he flew down onto the beach. They flew up again. Uh, they flew near crocodiles that are infesting the rivers and the, le- the lakes over there in Port Douglas. And I, I remember him landing and feeling very glad that we didn't kill our son on his 21st birthday, um, but feeling like, I don't know if I would have had the courage to do that. I'm not afraid of flying and stuff like that or even heights. I'm afraid of falling. And so I would have needed to be buckled in well to that. I'm, I'm so afraid of falling. Escalators and, you know, the... The, the train stations in Melbourne, I literally sometimes have to sit down on the seats because my, my palms go all sweaty and stuff like that. But courage, every one of us desire it. 
Uh, every hero possesses it. Every single day we live, it cries out for a stout heart, a courageous heart. Every age has its perils. Every era has its challenges and obstacles. However, if there was ever a time in history when courage was required en masse, it is these days in which we live. I believe that we're required to stand. I believe that we're required to show a different way of living. Harold Wilson, the former Prime Minister of England, suggests courage is the art of being the only one in the room that knows you're scared to death. <laughs> Maybe just faking it a little bit. But Winston Churchill, I love his words, he's put another spin on courage. He said, "It takes courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. Maybe not have that last word. Author and poet Ralph Waldo Emerson has said, whatever you do, you need courage. Probably one of the best-known passages in the Bible addressing the call to courage is what we find in Joshua chapter 1. And it's, again, a very familiar passage to you. Here's after 40 years uh, of wandering. Here's after all those years of uh, Moses leading this community, uh, the baton change, as it were, to a new leader. And Joshua was told these words, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. And whenever the Bible repeats itself, you've got to listen carefully. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Don't turn to it from the left or the right or the right from the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Don't let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, this wonderful big black book you were talking about with wisdom from the ages. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And that comes down to obedience. Hearing that word, that niggling word of the Holy Spirit Lee was talking about, uh, he could have chosen to be disobedient. No, I'm just going to stay in this industry. Or he could choose obedience. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. And boy, it's so easy to get discouraged in these days or in leadership. Don't be terrified or discouraged for the Lord. Your God will be with you wherever you go. According to the dictionary, of course, courage is the ability to confront fear in the face of pain or danger, or uncertainty, or even intimidation. Too little of it, we become cowards. Too much of it, we might become reckless. So there's got to be the right sort of balance to this thing we call courage. And as I've looked over this passage, the question I ask is, where does it actually come from? Where does courage come from? What gives some people the ability to confront fear and the pain uh, in the face of pain or danger or uncertainty or even intimidation? And, and what others... What causes others just to shy back? What motivates heroes? What or who is it that can inspire greatness? Well, where does courage come from? Is it possible for the weak or the timid to be strong? Yes. Is it possible for the frail person to exercise the strength of courage? Yes. It's not about bodily strength. Is it possible for the vulnerable or the defenceless or the feeble-minded to actually become powerful? Yeah. We've all seen the movies and the like that have done that. But the answer, courage, comes from the Latin root core, which means heart. So courage comes from our hearts, each and every one of our own inner being. 
Ephesians, the Apostle Paul, wanted to strengthen the inner person with his prayer that you might know the love of God, the height, the depth, the width and the breadth of the love of God and strengthening our hearts. So this question beckons. What's the state of your heart today? What's the state of Lee's heart? If God were to perform some open heart surgery on any of us, what's he going to discover? Is it going to be anxiety? Is it going to be fear? Is it going to be apprehension? Is it going to be uncertainty in uncertain times? I think for the last two years, you know, the people, as it were, en masse, have been looking for some certainty, for direction from leaders, and we haven't always got that. You know, leaders have said, we, we've got no handbook on how to navigate this journey. You know, don't look to me. I'm making it up as I go, as it were. What's in your heart? Or is there faith? Is there hope? Is there love? Is there courage? However, there's an equally important and thoughtful question that we need to ask today as we mark Lee's induction. Uh, what is the condition, not just of Lee or Pamela or the family's hearts, but how can you, North Church, be the sort of congregation to promise today, not just in response to Paul's question, but how can you promise to nurture and strengthen your leaders' hearts? The North Board's church's leaders' hearts. It takes courage to lead, to stand up in front of people, to actually take the initiative. Do you know that we're all destined to lead in one fashion or another, each and every one of us, whether that's one other person or 10 other people or 50 or 100? We all have the capacity to influence others, the joy of leading someone to Christ or making a disciple. Missionary statesman Hudson Taylor demonstrated courage as a missionary in China uh, and he had complete trust in God's faithfulness. In his journal, he wrote, Our Heavenly Father knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning and they need food. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, but he said these words, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. And he had to be courageous. When he went to China all those years ago, hundreds of years ago, it wasn't the place that we might visit today. Courage is needed to lead. And again, the book of Acts provides countless examples. And so I've listed just a few here. Acts 4.31 says, After they prayed, the place they were meeting was, was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly, not brashly. There's a distinction. Not offensely, but boldly. Uh, in Acts 9.27, in Damascus, they had preached fearlessly. In Acts 14.1, they speak boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. So it's not just about the supernatural, it's about something else going in on in the hearts of us as disciples. Acts 28.31 says, boldly and without hindrance, they preached. Ephesians 6.19 says, pray for me, pray for Lee. That whenever I open my mouth, words may be given so that I might be fearlessly expressing them, making known the mysteries of the gospel. Philippians, of course, 1.14 says, because of my chains, and now he's in prison, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. So even when bad things happen, some good things can result. 
Today, we induct Lee Kohler to the role of Senior Pastor of North Church. And my challenge to him is from that passage in Joshua, be strong and courageous. Here's the highlights. Be strong and very courageous. Lee, keep obeying. We never stop learning that journey of obedience, that you may be successful. Don't let the Bible depart from your daily practices. Uh, Don't just do Wordle, folks. Do the Bible app as well. You don't know what Wordle is? Everybody's looking at me blankly. You know what Wordle is? Who else knows what Wordle is? Only a few of you. Go look at Wordle. It's great fun. But don't let the Bible app be in place of Wordle either. Lee, uh, as you assume the role of senior pastor, I want North Church to actually respond by encouraging you. Encouragement. We think of encouragement as nice, fluffy words. But look at the words, the way in which we spell that. Encourage. Uh, Next slide, if you may. Encourage. North Church, this is your call. Build courage into Lee's heart. Strengthen him. Build him up. Uh, We use the word edify. Uh, It's there in the scriptures as well. That's an edifice around a building, uh, like... um, a framework around a building when it's getting built. Strengthen Lee by encouraging him. So here's some tips for you, North Church, moving forward as how you can do that. Smile. Smile at Lee. I remember with the masks. I'll do what Glenn has there. Just put a mask on a mask. Um, The smile is such an important thing. I mean, pastoral leadership is tough work. You're often dealing with problems and insecurities and anxieties and pastoral need and just a simple smile of encouragement goes a long way it's also a countenance on our body smile beyond you uh, behind your mask and your eyes will light up uh, so do a lot of smiling in this church going forward uh, catch Lee doing something right and let him know that you noticed um, you know I love the applause at the end of his little you know, guitar solo there. But, you know, lots of encouragement. When he does things right, let him know. You know, we often forget to do that. Apparently psychology tells us it takes eight affirming comments to compensate for one disparaging one. Uh, We get plenty of knocks as leaders uh, in pastoral ministry or just as a leader. So you need to compensate that by a lot more affirming words. Share positive thoughts as soon as they occur to you. Uh, We often have a thought. Uh, Yesterday I was at another induction up at Seymour and the preacher there did a great job. I didn't tell him. And I'm driving home thinking, I should have just told I should have just encouraged him. So as soon as I got home, I text him, just saying, oh, by the way, Jeff, I really liked your message. Uh, Sometimes we just forget. So as soon as you think about it, get on the text, get on the Instagram, or whatever it is, or or just let Lee know. Uh, Praise effort and progress no matter how small. Again, just along the journey. Don't wait for the end result. Just encourage along the the journey. So this new series you're embarking on, The Life and Teachings of Jesus, Uh, don't wait till the end of the series to say it was good. Say, oh, that was so good, I can't wait till next week. Build up that sense of expectation. Uh, Fifthly, tell the person, tell Lee, Tell Pamela, tell the family how much they helped. Uh, 
I, I know you're going to bring positivity and energy and enthusiasm and new vision for this church moving forward. And that's so, so important. Uh, give them a gift. And, and uh, where's Kerry? Yeah, don't forget it next time. <laughs> <laughs> Encourage you. I'm glad you didn't forget it. <laughs> You know, give gifts from time to time. Don't just wait for the induction or when they might leave, however many years there might be. Give some gifts and encourage, you know, a movie ticket. Um, you know, leaders at North, just from time to time, give something to encourage them. We're all weekend away. Be extravagant. Be uh, generous in that way. And finally, learn how to celebrate together. Uh, there's a lot of things that we commiserate. There's a lot of things that we, we can, uh, you know, I guess, the, the rites of passage, funerals and all those sorts of things pastorally or looking after people that are sick. But learn how to celebrate. And that's birthdays and milestones and, and the little gains, the little wins that we have. The Duke of Wellington, the British military leader who defeated Napoleon at Waterloo, was not an easy man to serve under. He was brilliant. He was demanding and not one to shower his subordinates with compliments. Yet even Wellington realised that his methods left something to be desired. And in his old age, a young lady asked him, if anything, what would he do differently if he had his life to live over again? And Wellington thought about it for a moment and then replied, I'd give more praise. North Church, don't let that be your lament when and if Lee and Pamela and the family move on from here. Because, you know, they probably will. I don't know if you have got 70 years in you like the Queen <laughs> for a reign over North Church. You might have. Um, but don't let it be your lament that, oh, I wish we praised him more. I wish we'd encouraged him more. Let it be something of the culture of this church to be an encourager. Let's pray. My question to each and every one of us today was what's the condition of your heart? Is there anxiety? Is there stress? Is there uncertainty? Is there fear? If courage comes from the heart, let the Lord in. Let the Lord take a look today. Let the Lord strengthen you. Imagine him there with you now, just taking your hand. With me, all things are possible. Let him meet with you right now. Engage you. Touch you. Transform. Let there be a metamorphosis afresh of your heart, like Lee was talking about. Come, Holy Spirit, encourage us. Help us not just today, but in our workplace, in our home, in our communities. Be people of courage. Be people that believe with you all things are possible. And so, Father, I pray for those that might be beaten up today, that might be beaten down, that might be needing a transformation of their hearts for courage to grow afresh. And just like a plant, I pray in Jesus' name 
that the work of your Holy Spirit would seed courage afresh in each and every heart. That you do that for Lee as he moves forward. Not a boldness of his own, not calling on a confidence of his own, but that he might call on the courage that you give him from his inner person. And that, Lord, you will do great things amongst us in the years ahead. In Jesus' name I pray.